0: Why is the Jewish Sabbath on Saturday, the Christian Sabbath on Sunday, and the Muslim Sabbath on Friday? Let's talk about it. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. We have spent the past three episodes discussing Shabbat, the Sabbath for Jews. We have discussed Shabbat in the literature and how Shabbat is celebrated in the synagogue and at home. In this episode, we will do a comparative study of how Jews, Christians, and Muslims envision Shabbat. In the early days of the church, Jewish Christians celebrated the Sabbath alongside Jews, that is, on Saturday. As we know from many passages in the Gospels, Jesus kept Shabbat. Neither Paul nor any of the apostles ever proclaimed that the Sabbath was any day but the Jewish Shabbat, today's Saturday. All of them certainly knew the Genesis story, when in chapter 2, God rested and declared the seventh day a Shabbat, as well as the commandment to do no work on Shabbat, found in almost every book of the Hebrew Bible. To quote one of the many examples of Paul and the apostles observing the Sabbath on Saturday, we can look at Acts chapter 13, verse 14, concerning Paul and Barnabas. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. They came to the synagogue to pray. It was Shabbat. James, the brother of Jesus, best sums this up in the book that bears his name. For whoever shall keep the law whole and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak. Speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. James commanded the Jewish Christians of his time to observe strictly the laws of the Torah, including, by inference, Shabbat. As James Cardinal Gibbons, the Archbishop of Baltimore, wrote in his book, Faith of Our Fathers, published in 1876, you may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and you will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Saturday. The scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday, a day which we never sanctify. Jesus did, however, test the limits of Shabbat observance without abrogating the laws of Shabbat. A prime example is found in Luke chapter 6 verses 1 through 11. We won't read it verbatim, but there are two stories here that concern Sabbath observance. In the first story, Jesus' disciples pick grain and eat it on Shabbat. While reaping is a forbidden Shabbat activity, according to the Pharisees, plucking grain from another's person's field for personal consumption is not, as detailed in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 25. In the second story, Jesus heals a man's withered arm on Shabbat, but a close reading of the text shows us that Jesus never touched him. The man just stuck out his hand and it was healed. And while the Pharisees grumbled, they had to agree that the saving of a life, in this case, a healing activity, was not only allowed on Shabbat, but it was also required. Yet evidence can be found linking Jesus, Paul, and the apostles to a Sunday observance. While this was not a formal Shabbat, It was mentioned enough times in Christian scripture to be relevant to our discussion. One of the most important examples of this is found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 and following. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Just a few verses later, Jesus appears to them on the first day of the week, Sunday. The early church never abrogated Saturday as the Sabbath. The church did, though, allow for work on the Sabbath as part of its quest to substitute belief in Jesus for any adherence to Jewish law. But when we read the many passages describing Jesus appearing to the women on Sunday, on the apostles breaking bread on Sunday, and of Jesus being resurrected on Sunday, we learn that there was indeed a Sunday tradition being celebrated as early as Jesus's lifetime. The formal change from Saturday to Sunday Sabbath observance did not come about in Jesus's day, nor during the days of the apostles. We must look to a later time. The change took place in the second century CE and not in Jerusalem, the home of the early church, but in Rome, the new seat of Christianity. We read in another Catholic publication, The change from Saturday to Sunday arose most probably not in the primitive Church of Jerusalem, well known for its profound attachment to Jewish religious traditions, but rather in the Church of Rome. The abandonment of Sabbath and the adoption of Sunday as the Lord's Day are the result of an interplay of Christian, Jewish, and pagan religious factors. This comes from the book, From Sabbath to Sunday, a historical investigation of the rise of Sunday observance in early Christianity. There is, though, another important aspect to consider. We know that Paul abrogated halakha, Jewish law, through his evangelism. When they converted, Gentile Christians generally did not observe Jewish laws such as kashrut or circumcision. A byproduct of this change was that Shabbat did not have to be observed strictly either. This opened the door to move the observance from Saturday to Sunday, from Shabbat to the first day of the week, as the Christian scriptures call Sunday. By 110 CE, Christians already were abrogating the Jewish Sabbath. Ignatius wrote as follows, If, therefore, those who were brought up in the ancient order of things, that is, the Jews, have come to the possession of a new hope, no longer observing the Sabbath, but living in the observance of the Lord's day, on which also our life is sprung up again by him and by his death. Notice two things here. First, Jews active in the church were no longer keeping the Sabbath. And two, he calls the first day of the week the Lord's day. As time progressed, More and more Christians began to observe the Lord's Day and did not observe the Jewish Sabbath. Yet nowhere in early Christian tradition was Shabbat abrogated. Sunday was a second religious day, the Lord's Day. Formal Sunday worship also has everything to do with the relationship between Passover and Easter. There was a debate brewing in the early church over when Easter fell was it on the 14th of Nisan, the Jewish Passover, or was it some other date? This was a major controversy, settled only in 325 CE at the Council of Nicaea, called by Constantine. There, the church decided that Easter would be celebrated on the Sunday closest to the 14th of Nisan, but it was always to be on a Sunday, and that is the relevant point. If we read the Church Fathers, It is apparent that Christians have been meeting on the first day of the week since the late first century CE, and maybe even before that. What began as a custom, celebrating the Lord's Day on the first day of the week, became a Sabbath observance, but never did the church abrogate Shabbat as the day of rest as found in the Torah. It allowed for Saturday worship without the requirements to rest, even during widespread Sunday observance. As a Christian Sabbath, the Lord's Day, moved away from the Jewish Shabbat. The Lord's Day became a weekly celebration of the resurrection. Not surprisingly, the liturgy also moved away from the Jewish prayer book as well. Jews and Christians still have a common tradition of scriptural readings. As we have discussed, Jews read from the Torah using a 54-week cycle, where the entire Torah is read sequentially over the course of a year. Christians continue to read publicly from what they called the Old Testament, and then added a reading from the New Testament. Both traditions also include a weekly sermon, but the Christian service, no matter the denomination, is often considerably shorter than a Shabbat morning service. Jews, if you recall, have three major services on Shabbat, evening, morning, and afternoon. We also add the Musaf additional service to the morning service and Havdalah, which ends Shabbat on Saturday night. So we might say that there are really five Shabbat services in the Jewish ritual. There are also five Shabbat, five services on Yom Kippur. There are also five masses in the Catholic tradition. Protestants generally do not hold five different services on the Sabbath, although many churches hold multiple Sunday services. To accommodate their worshipers. In a moment, we will look at another tradition that has five services. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome back to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. Before we return to our discussion of Shabbat, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast please remember to review and rate this episode on Apple, Spotify, Facebook, or whatever service you are using. Also, please go back and listen to previous episodes if you have not done so already. A transcript is available on our Buzzsprout feed. And now, this and many previous episodes are available on our brand new YouTube channel. And if you would like to read my weekly Torah study, please go to Bible Stories That Never Taught You in Religious School, available for free on www.substack.com. Please subscribe to this blog, as well as my newest endeavor, Wednesday Torah, also available on Substack. As I mentioned, there is another faith tradition that has five services on the Sabbath, Islam. In his travels, the Prophet Muhammad encountered many Jews in Jerusalem, and especially in Yemen. The Yemeni Jews of the 7th century had a tradition of five daily prayers. Muhammad brought this idea of five services into Islam. While the noon prayer on the Muslim Sabbath is the largest, it is important to know that there are four other services during the day as well. But why did Muhammad change the day of the Muslim Sabbath in Arabic, Ya Masabt from Friday to Saturday. Muslims believe that Friday is the most important day of the week because on that day, says the Quran, God, create him, God created Adam, in Arabic, Adrat Adam. According to Sahih Muslim, the messenger of Allah, Allah bless him and give him peace, said, Friday is the best of days. It was on this day that Hadrat Adam, peace be upon him, was created. It was on this day that he was granted entry into paradise. It was on this day that he was removed from paradise, which became the cause for man's existence in the universe, and which is a great blessing. And the day of resurrection will also take place on this day. I am no expert on Islam. But from this passage and others which I have researched, Friday is the most virtuous day of the week in Islam. While Muslims acknowledge the Sabbaths of Jews and Christians, they are not holy days. Friday is the day when everything important has happened, and when everything important will happen. One practical way to see the difference in how the three Abrahamic faiths observe their respective Sabbaths is to go to the old city of Jerusalem, where Jews, Christians, and Muslims have lived together for centuries. And no matter your faith tradition, I highly recommend this. On Fridays through Thursdays, all the markets and shops in the Old City are open. But on Friday, the Muslim stores and cafes in the Old City and the rest of Jerusalem are closed. On Saturdays, the Jewish stores are closed. And on Sunday, the Christian Arabs close their shops so that they can go to church. This is an easy visual to see how these three great faiths live together, yet worship differently. I want to thank you for listening to Torah for Christians. Please remember to rate and review this and previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, or other streaming services. You can also like and hear us on Facebook. And now you can subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and read a transcript on Buzzfeed. Next week, we will look at a topic which we have touched upon frequently, but never confronted directly. The Jewish dietary laws, called in Hebrew, kashrut. We'll learn why Jews don't mix milk and meat, nor eat pork or shellfish. But it's a lot more than that. We'll do a deep dive and learn a lot. Finally, I've begun to publish a weekly Torah study called Bible Stories They Never Taught You in Religious School. It's available for free on www.substack.com. You can also sign up on Substack for the newsletter to appear every Friday in your inbox. You can also find my new column, Wednesday Torah There, where I offer weekly musings about life, the universe, and everything. Have a wonderful week, and remember, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together as one. Till we meet again. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians.